Welcome to the Well Played DLC podcast. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, I have to give a massive shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Australia and New Zealand. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. All you have to do is use the code wellshaved at manscaped.com. All right, let's get stuck into it. Step bro, welcome to the Well Played DLC podcast, Australia's juiciest and smoothest gaming podcast. Thanks to Manscaped, save twenty percent off, get free shipping with the code Well Shaved. I'm Zach Jackson, joined by my step bro, Kieran of Bruges. <laughs> Hello, Nathan Hennessy. Howdy, and joining us, Jordan Garcia. Hello there. I uh, didn't realize you two were step bros. Oh. Only yeah, in a sexual separate. way. That's it. Oh, okay. okay yeah. So how, how often does uh, does Zach get stuck in the laundry? All the Quite time. Often. Mate, those, they don't make those holes like they used to, you know what I mean? They are some... When you That's got what I was going to say. Can you confirm? <laughs> 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 when you've got a small apartment, you've got to have a small washing machine and, you know, they just don't make them with enough elbow room like they used to, you know? So, Damn, are you going elbow deep, Kieran? <laughs> What a great start to a gaming podcast. What a very good start. How are we all? So happy. So happy to be here. I don't blame you, to be honest. I really don't blame you. Jordan, been a while. How are you? It's been a while. Uh, Yeah, it's good to be back. Still dying from the old uh, long COVID, but you know, nothing I can really do about that. Just got to let it happen. That's uh, not good to hear. Hopefully it uh, goes away soon. And you recover properly, fully. Now I'm going to come back with an extra arm. We could use that. You could join our family. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. KV, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. You've uh, got some graphic issues? Yep. Uh I think I think my graphics card has just died right before recording this. So let's just everyone just hold F to push respects or whatever it is. Push that, that respect so hard. <laughs> I won't be able so. to see it though because like my screen does nothing. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right, right. Well, let's get right into it, shall we? So we've got right. a big big topic this week, which we'll talk about later that's where jordan comes in that's why the master is here but what else has everyone been playing jordan i'm going to assume you've not had much time for anything else uh i've been playing some dark souls 3 and sekiro oh that's right sorry for, uh, you've yeah, been uh, you've been streaming on the on the well played twitch i i have been yes how how's that going oh well, you know i set out uh, the challenge to beat all the from software games uh, i i 
ended up by throwing Dark Souls 2 out the window because that thing just feels like junk to play after playing the (laughs) Miyazaki ones. Um, But the other games, yeah, now it's been a lot of fun. I averaged about nine-ish hours on each game to beat them all. Um, And now, uh, hopefully tonight, I beat Sekiro because I'm at the final boss. So, you know, hopefully I can finish my challenge before Elden Ring releases. Nine, nine oh, hours otherwise. per FromSoft title. How, how long do you yeah. think it would take the average game for you on your first run? On my first run? Well, Dark Souls 1 was about 100. On your first run? Yeah, I was very bad okay. at Dark Souls All right, 1. That makes me feel a little bit... I, I took 60, but it's a, I, I thought it was a chunky um, game. Uh, it, it is until you kind of know the ins and outs of Indeed. it. Um, Bloodborne was about... 40 yep uh same dark souls 3 was about let's say about 30 to 40 uh but i ended up playing it for like 120 before i wrote my review um <laughs> is that the one that we broke embargo on yes <laughs> um Getting excited sekiro that was straight up just 25 hours in a row wow. like it didn't take a break that took me again um, like another solid 50 hours or so uh yeah uh demon souls uh despite having never played it before i think it only took me like 12 hours for my first playthrough yeah i think it took me about 15 or so it's surprisingly snappy yeah yeah um yeah uh and then this this uh this next one uh going onwards from 60 hours this next one i'll be keen to hear more so you are streaming to get to Elden Ring. Once you get to Elden Ring, are you going to stream Elden Ring? See, that's my conundrum now. So for full disclosure, at the time of recording, I actually haven't beaten Elden Ring. And I'm hoping I can have it done before it releases so I can stream it from the beginning. Otherwise, it's going to be really weird trying to juggle my end game file with the beginning of the game at the same time. Well. So... Hopefully I can get it done and then stream Elden Ring because that'd be fun to do, but yeah. Maybe I should stream it. I wouldn't even get past the first fucking boss. I would watch that. All right, we'll get. To, uh, we'll talk more about Elden Ring later. Nathan, what have you been playing, if anything? Ooh, Zach, I might need to uh, have a quick little oh, winch yes. here. Um, so we do have a review game to talk about. I didn't add that in the doco. Thank you for reminding yeah, me. Yeah, I wasn't going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the big AAA release that we saw just last week. Um KV, as much as I love you, mate, I'm not enjoying Forbidden West at all. Like, at all. Um, it's one of those games where... I th- it's going to sound odd. So there's a lot of games you'll come across where the sum of its parts, as they say, is greater than the whole. And for me, mm. with Forbidden West, it feels the opposite. Take any individual element of that game, aside from the climbing, and it's pretty much like phenomenal. Put it all together, and I'm not gelling with it. I think the thing that's really, really irking me... Sorry? No, no, sorry. I'm just just voicing my surprise for a little bit there, but He's on the going. edge of his seat, yeah. Keep going. One thing that super irks me, there's, there's two things, and they're only minor, but they're enough to be a bit of a detraction when it's such a high-quality game, and it is such a high-quality game. I can't fault any one particular thing. But um, in combat, I find that when, you, when it tries to mix its uh, platforming elements with the combat, it just completely falls apart. I've got instances where... I, had, I was in this area where there was a bit of a lake and some rocks and some land. And as I'm moving between these three kinds of terrain, I keep getting stuck on each one. And I'm getting my ass absolutely whooped. 
went back to that area about five times and it kept happening every single time. I kept getting hooked on all kinds of terrain. Um, but when it's just a flat, single terrain sort of arena, you have a great time. So, And, and then my other gripe with it is, I think the thing that probably is going to age the fastest, and I think you'd probably agree with me on this one, will be the climbing. It does have a very fixed climbing traversal system, and you'll come across buildings in the game that might require you to traverse them as a kind of puzzle, and you can see handholds all the way around the outside of that building, and the building says, no, you can't climb it, even though all the game's logic in any other building in any other circumstance would say, yep, says no. So there's just arbitrary areas where the game just goes, no, no climbing for you, um, figure it out. That kind of detracts for me. I'll still stick with it. I'm just, I think my expectations were probably a little bit too high. I think I was going in a little bit too excited. Plus, I, I don't had... know why you would think that. Yeah. Do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, onto, the, onto the climbing theme, because I, I felt this especially uh, when I went back to the original Horizon. Yeah. I feel like a lot of open world games that feature climbing have a tough job following up from Breath of the Wild, which had probably the the most nuanced form of free climbing, where yeah. it didn't care about the logic of climbing, it just cared about your stamina management. Yeah, and then there's the great little things, like if it's raining, you slick down, yep. like vertical yeah. surfaces and stuff like that. Look, it's functional, and it, it everything you do looks good. It's such a great game to watch. But as when I'm with the controller in hand... Um, I, I do find a lot of frustrations in little points and, and I don't think the game is, is as dynamic as I wanted it to be. I, I've, had an, I've had an instance where I've reloaded a few saves and a few encounters in the wild that I thought the first time, wow, this is super random, this is super cool and emergent, they just played out scripted the exact same way another time and then I just found that that kept happening, these sort of emergent sort of things that you would trip over in the wild, like coming across other people, they were just effectively doing almost the exact same thing. So yeah, I, I guess I went in with pretty much monumental expectations and I just mm. finished uh, the Frozen Wilds, I think the day before I started. So I was on a high. I shouldn't <laughs> have. I should have managed my expectations. And I think a lot of people saying it's like Assassin's Creed 2 to Assassin's Creed 1, I think that's perfectly apt because it didn't reinvent the wheel. It just refined so much of what came before. And yeah. I think a, a follow-up Horizon sequel will probably tick off everything that I'm currently griefed with. Um, so still a great series, but uh, expectation management is key, I think. Interesting. 10 out of 10, wouldn't you say? Eight, did you say 8 out of 10? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10? To some. Absolutely. To some. That's right. That's, that's why we love opinions. Fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, Very nice. You, KV's review was a joy to read, of course. Recommend. As they all as are. as KV. were ours, KS. KV, hello. KV, KV. What have you been playing that you can talk about? I don't know if you can. Nothing. Yeah, I didn't think so. Didn't think so. I mean, he's been playing the game that I've been playing. Yeah, he we'll, asked me about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that, we'll, we'll talk we'll, about that. Yeah, we'll get to that. All right. So I don't have anything else either because uh, I've been playing all review or preview stuff. So I guess we'll just get. Into the into the main course here. Uh, so I'll start very quickly with I've got three things to talk about tonight. God damn. Uh, actually, no, Kieran, you have been playing something. Tell us about Cyberpunk because you dived very very briefly, I think, back into the new uh, patch or yeah. the update. Uh, I I can tell just by that sign that it's uh, <laughs> it's not everything he wanted it to be. Uh, talk to me. How uh, how is it? 
Uh, well, I mean, look, I'm probably not like anything I say is probably not the most informed opinion because I haven't really explored enough of the new version to get an idea of like some of the gameplay updates that they've brought to it. Um, cause I know they have added like a lot of new features, like, you know, being able to rent apartments and new little nuances to the romances and customization and stuff. So I haven't really like, nudes. wow. Yeah, you so get, you get like nudes. something that I can't do in real life. For. Um, so Tell yeah, you I haven't, <laughs> you don't have to play cyberpunk to get nudes, <laughs> baby. Um, yeah, I haven't really kind of experienced any of that, but I did, I did fire it up and start a new save just to see, uh, how much of a difference the visual updates make. Uh, and my consensus so far is that they are, it looks nicer, I guess, but still nowhere near what I've seen from the PC version. Um, even, even in the like optional 30 FPS mode, which I would like after having played through the game on PS5 when it launched at 60 FPS, I don't think I would ever go down to 30, even for slightly nicer shadows. Um, but uh, it's still not a good game. So, oh. I Didn't think you I'm score it like an eight. No, you got seven point five. It was seven point five, yeah. which was probably generous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It's just I I, it still just doesn't feel like any any of the genres that it wants to occupy. It doesn't feel like an open world game. It doesn't feel like an RPG. It doesn't feel like a shooter. It's just like. It's, it's, it's too scattered. Um, the missions are really, really good. And I'm like, I'm kind of like keen to replay it, to replay some of the like missions that I really, really liked originally. Um, but at the same time, I don't think like if you've played it before, I don't think it's worth bothering with the update. I think I'm going to check it out. I think at some point. So to add on to that, uh, one of our friends, Glenn Duncan, just said, uh, I tried to play cyberpunk last night. Most characters' lips weren't moving in cutscenes. The intro cutscene played after the tutorial. Everything was T-po- Everyone was T-posing everywhere. Sliding through cars and rain was going upwards. So I'll tip forward. Rain going upwards is some cosmic shit. Yeah, so like, even though it's massively improved from before... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. 7.5. I like that. Alright. Uh, nice. Anyone else going to check out the update? After what KB just said? Nah, I think that put my curiosity to ease. He did tell you the, to check out for Forbidden West, though. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. I think if, you, like, if you're one of those people who couldn't play it the first time around because it was broken as fuck, like maybe give it another go. But like I never had any real technical issues the first time around other than it being a shit game. Yeah, fair. Jordan, are you going to check it out? I know you're a big fan. Uh, yeah, you're a massive fan of CD Projekt Red. Famous. I think they're the best developer in the world. Um, Got it on camera right Yeah, here. Yeah, I, I might eventually. Who knows? Maybe I might pledge the game because I've, I've literally had it installed since it released and I've never launched it. Be a good pledge. Yeah, maybe I can punish myself. <laughs> so, like, I'll beat the challenges and just still have a punishment. Well, I'm glad you bring up pledges because I did say they would be this week, but people, some people have taken too long to get back to me, so it'll be next week. So next week we'll definitely do pledges cool. uh, on, the, on the podcast. All right, I previewed a game called Daymare 
for Sandcastle, which is the... Isn't it 98 or is it 98? Pre- that's previous. the prequel. The prequel is oh. 1998. So this is the... Uh, Day Mid 1998 is the game that was in development as a uh, RE2 fan remake that was then shut down by Capcom and then got turned into its own thing. I think I gave it a 6 when I reviewed it a couple of years ago or whatever. Uh, so a prequel is now out. I got to play a demo. There's a fair few previews out, but I was going to write one. But the demo that I had access to is only about 20 minutes long, or it took me between like 20 and 30 minutes. I just feel like I didn't have enough, uh, you know, content there to sort of uh, write a preview. But there are plenty out there, so you can go check some out if you want to read something. But the yeah, so it's a prequel, and again, you're a Hades uh, is is like the acronym for the for the like stars uh but this one is hades in this game and i can't recall what it's actually i'm trying to find it it is it stands for hexacore advanced division for extraction and search um (laughs) i have made that reach for the moon engine Uh, that's it (laughs) that's it um i love how here it's got prequel to the critically acclaimed day man 1998 i don't think they're 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 referring to you mate Mm, i I think think there was it was a critic that like said the name once, and they're like, "Oh, they've acclaimed it." Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, so you play as Dahlia Reyes, uh, is the uh, character, and yeah, you, you start off in this military, all this like robotics, all this factory of some sort, uh, and yeah, you walk from uh, like you sort of start off, and then you encounter your first. Uh, enemy and they're like they are sort of zombies but they you know in terminator 2 where or maybe even in all terminators where they kind of appear with that like orb thing like out of you know thin air kind of thing yeah absolutely so they that's how they appear in in this game Mm. uh and they are full of like electrical or like uh surges or shocks or whatnot um and so the the enemies that are like blue, like more blue, you can just shoot normally. Uh, and the enemies that are red, you have you, you have this tool which is called a, I think it's called a frozen grip or a freeze grip. Uh, and it's like you hold L2 and push L1 or something like that. And it shoots, it, but basically freezes the enemy. And that's the only way that you can actually kill these enemies. And if you shoot the blue ones, um, their surges or their like electrical power whatever uh it actually gets transferred to an enemy in in the area and then they and then they become red uh yeah i mean that that, like that was pretty much the demo so you went through this little area you solved a puzzle um it is very very resident evil like so if if you do like those uh older third person shooter types of games this is uh very much like that it was. It seemed fine. It did seem to like it had refined a, a little bit of what um, the first one come up short on. Uh, it did feel a little bit smoother. I don't like how these en- enemies attack though. They do come on pretty quick. Uh, you do have a good time because you do sort of know. You do sort of see them. Like they do appear in the distance. But uh, when there's like a group of them, uh, your mobility is pretty restricted. Like you are. There's no like dodge or like a, a strafe or anything like that. So. Um, you do sort of have to manage uh, your attack with the with the freeze grip because you can sort of slow everyone down. But it looks pretty cool. I'm keen to check out the 
a full release later this year. So that's, uh, and you can play the demo now on Steam Next Fest. Uh, it is Daymare 1994 Sandcastle. Um, I have no idea what the story's about. So, yeah, there you go. So my, my real question is, what come, come to release, how much do they have to pay you for a 10 out of 10? KB, what was your rate? Um, uh, I just had old mate Herman Holst He had to get into my washing machine (laughs) Um, No, I don't think any summer money Would make me give that game a 10 Does it Um, it have a release window? Just 2022 At this stage Alright I am reviewing three games at the moment Uh, One I've finished That I'll talk about soon One that I've put a decent amount of time into and that is grid legends so that is the racing game from codemasters and ea um nathan you've played the grid series before indeed yeah so i've never played this series previously was this a codemasters series yeah it absolutely was i think grid grid came off the back of the colin mccray series i think they wanted to change from sort of dirt rally racing to more of a street Racing, Ben? Yeah. Um, And you've played... Sorry, what's the last one that you've played? You you did tell me pre-potty, but I can't... Ooh, so I I know that my favourite was the first one. A particular thing I particularly liked about that is similar to what Forza has now. It sort of had like an online eBay marketplace in the game, so you could sort of like sell and trade cars and stuff. But then in the second game, all your cars had to pretty much be, I think, unlocked just from strictly progressing through races, so didn't feel as dynamic and I think my interest sort of waned after there. Uh, there was another one, a uh, grid auto sport. I think I played like five minutes of that. So I think the quality or, or the interest for me tapped off really fast after, after the first one. And I think another reason why grid was such a foundational series when it first came out is I think it was one of the first racing games to implement the sort of real time rewind feature. Yeah. You know how nowadays you kind of take oh, that for yeah. granted. I th- mm. I'm pretty sure it was definitely around that time that it came out and Grid was definitely the first one I remembered having that, which was a, such yeah, right. a saving grace when you shit at races like me. Mate, just don't be shit. <laughs> yeah, well, that's too. But I mean, I was, play- I was playing at like 12, like I couldn't drive for shit anyway, so. <laughs> Times have changed. Um, so the question I was going to ask is, did they, they didn't have a story mode, did they? <sighs> I think... There might anyway. have been something tacked on, but no, nothing noteworthy. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, it was so average that he used the rewind feature to forget about it. <laughs> so, so this, so Grid Legends has a story mode, uh, and it does feature some decent name name actors. It's actually got uh, KV. What's the? Do you know his actual name? Because I've forgotten it. Um, Eric from Sex Education. Yeah, Eric from Sex Education. Oh, yeah, he is in this and. You know when an actor is so good at a role, they become that person whenever you sort of see them? Sure. <laughs> it just does not... He does, he, When I see him, he does not fit because he, he also acts a, a very similar way and has very similar mannerisms in like the cutscenes that they have in this uh, game. So, it, it yeah, it's, it's hard to explain without you actually watching it but he's like jokey and so the story is that you're this you're part of this racing team i think called seneca i think um astrazeneca no no it's with a with an s not a z um and yeah so you're you've just joined this team and 
you like a semi-pro team or whatever and you're trying to get into the pro leagues or and whatnot um and there's a bunch of other uh teams and 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 races and the cut scenes are like interview sort of stuff it's like a, it's like a documentary style story uh so they sit down with the people and they introduce like the characters and he's like hey i'm valentine manzi and i'm a five-time world champion and he's like ha 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 i'm just kidding i haven't won anything or you know he's like it's all very joking it's just it's i'm i'm probably i think i'm eight missions or nine missions in or no nine to ten like races into like the 30 mission or 38 mission story and i'm already skipping all the cutscenes. are these cutscenes so, animated or real time they're real time they're proper filmed video mm-hmm. and they're in like um they're in like uh you know when you, they must have hired out like a or gone to like a track and they're, they're in like pit stop things you know with um anyway so once you progress to like the pro league there's this there's this top dog racer right he's 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 shit don't stink mate um and he's real arrogant and it's just like it's totally like uh generic and it's just yeah but like the racing the the racing is super fun like i'm really enjoying like the racing aspect of it um it's all it's in that middle it's like for me like i've never played grid so i don't know how the other ones sort of go but this one feels like in the middle of a simulation and an arcade racer so it's it doesn't doesn't it's not you know too much of a simulation where you need to know every nut and bolt goes on on a car uh but there's enough you know freedoms that you can just sort of pick up and play and that might also be maybe to do with the difficulty i think i'm playing a medium i think there's like four or five difficulties i think i'm the third or the second one anyway um but no it's it's super fun and it, it, it looks really good and the soundtrack is awesome too like uh I, I feel like the soundtrack really like you know gets like the blood pumping and um but yeah, yeah so um notable hits uh i think it's all it looks like it's all in-house all oh, right based on what i can tell uh but i've not paid like super attention to the actual sound like uh, i've never have, haven't gone in and, and looked but he, i've played he's been listening to nickelback the whole time oh fuck that would be amazing but uh no i'm i am dominating uh i think i might need to jack the difficulty up a bit because i'm winning races far too easily um and I am. So the, another thing that you do uh, when you crash into your, your opponents, they like they become uh, rivals or nemesis um, in like in the race and uh, different skills and stuff that you can unlock in your uh, skill tree thingy. Uh, your team, uh, your team, other team member can like block them off. And they're like, there's a, like, I haven't gone through the skill tree a, a lot yet. I've just sort of been going through the races. I haven't really. I felt like I haven't really needed to, um, but no, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm definitely. If I if I if I had to put any score on it now, it'd probably be like an eight 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 point five. Yeah, damn. Um, I'm really yeah. I'm really having having fun with it. And the another thing that I hate, but I actually quite quite like, is that uh, it, it punishes you for going off track. So. Uh, if you like it's grid, not dirt. What? What's that? Oh. It's grid, not dirt. But if you like, good, if you, uh, good joke. If you take, if you take a corner too hard, and you go off the track, um, or if you try and cut the corner, for example, and cut through the grass, if you spend too long outside the track, it will it'll actually deduct time off you. So I actually lost the race. Like I was maybe uh, a couple of seconds in in front of another car, and I finished first, being like, "Fuck yeah, what up?" 
uh, and I came second because of these um, time deductions that I had. So I do quite like that because it, you know, it means that you can't sort of cheat and you know cut through and. Uh, but yeah, that's no, good fun. And another thing, and I feel like this could be just. I don't know if this is new to racing games because I feel like I, I play enough racing games to to notice. But it actually tells you it uh, tells you like when you need to slow down and brake. Like like mm. you know it's got that's like a pretty the, that's like yeah co- common really the yeah. racing yeah. line that yeah, goes yellow mean, red. Other than yeah, being right, in yeah. Forza, that's also in a like another game that you've been playing recently. It is. Quiet. It is in that, and which is which is why I was like, oh, maybe this Wait, is, is actually. A common thing. The racing yes. line is a great innovation, and I yeah. think it came into yeah. racing games around the same time as the rewind feature. So it's, I it's think over it was a decade Forza, old. Forza Motorsport was probably what, like it the was. one that it I first Forza noticed Motorsport. it in. Mm. Um, Everyone yeah, adopted it, 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 rightly so. And it definitely helps because yeah. I'd, otherwise I would take every corner at 100 k's an hour. Um, but no, it's good fun. It's good, good fun. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. I haven't. Yeah, haven't haven't jumped too much in, into like the car side of things and like what cars are available because I'm just trying to smash through the story. But there's like there's a bunch of other modes. There's a career mode, um, and each career mode is like uh, rookie, semi-pro, pro, and each of that has its own um, like like race types. So you go into like rookie, and then you'll go into like it'll make you race in like a like a, like a Formula One style car, or you'll have like a street car, or you'll have like yeah. I think it's like, and and that's what happens in the story as well, is, is that you are encouraged to use, or it basically forces you to, to race as other cars, because it was just me. I'd, I'd just be racing in a Porsche all day, mate, in a Porsche Boxster. <laughs> so, um, having fun with that one. Nathan, do you want to talk about your uh, review game before I go into my other one? Yeah, I won't spend too much time on this one. It's not really worth it. So, I checked out Home Behind 2. Um, I couldn't tell you much about Home Behind 1, didn't really look into it. I went into Home Behind 2 after checking out the Steam Store page and immediately what struck me is, and I mentioned this in my review probably too much, it looks a heck of a lot like a Darkest Dungeon. Now, Darkest Dungeon, for those that don't know, is uh, it's, it's a 2D game where you go into expeditions into dungeons and the like with a party of like four people and you've got to try and survive and pick up resources and get to the end. And there's a lot of randomness involved. And it expects that you fail because failure is a part of the game. And there's a lot of mechanics around that. So your, your little troopers in the dungeons will get like psychiatric illnesses and stuff like that. Uh, mental illnesses as a result. You've got to try and manage those. And it's really dynamic and really interesting. So we've got this game Home Behind 2, which if you put it side by side to Darkest Dungeon, looks strikingly similar. But the similarities are more than surface deep. This really is a game that's tried to model itself across the board in most ways on Darkest Dungeon from like base management where you have your big convoy. In this game, you'll have a, a, a group of revolutionaries and in home base, you'll be leveling up different parts of the base, such as um, your med- medical station and your uh, inventory um, but the, the main story of this is kind of one of the things that t- ticked me off that I wasn't going to like this pretty early on into the into the game. It starts off with a very generic story. Uh, we've got this kingdom of, of Scaria or this nation of Scaria that I assume is based on a that I assume is based on Syria. To be honest, it's not. There's not too many very subtle allusions here, um, and it's been sort of 
or yeah, occupied effectively by a neighbouring nation, and they're quite tyrannical. So you've got this female character gets run out of home by the occupiers. I mean, the occupiers have been there for about 10 years at this point, I think, but things are still pretty tense. Uh, and then you meet up with another character, and then you sort of start rolling into a band of... You can start recruiting other people as you come across them in the world. But your expeditions, effectively, are you will pick a dot on the map. Uh, hopefully, it's a dot that's moving towards one of your main objectives. And the, the overall objective is that you'll be able to overthrow the government. So you've got this map that sort of plots out different locations. I think there's six different types or variations of locations. So it does mean that you end up seeing a lot of them over and over again. And as, you're, um, as you go to each of these locations, you're scouting for resources. So you can build up your base and find weapons and equipment. Uh, and you'll just, as you, you move very linearly from left, screen, left of the screen to the right of the screen. Uh, there's pretty much no interaction involved in the movement. It can pretty much be set to auto. So your characters just ferry their little convoy conga line along. And you're just like a point and click game. You're clicking on everything in the environment because it might have resources. And then eventually you'll run into another character and it's a bit of a dice roll as to if that character's going to fight you, if they want to talk to you, if there's an event with a choice. And all these things sound really good because these are all kind of elements that made Darkest Dungeon really interesting. The problem is, is all of this is completely subverted by a random number generator. Every interaction you have in the game, every combat role, every choice that you make, every... Pretty much every single interaction in the game is determined by a random gauge going from basically red to green, red to green. It's sort of wavering, kind of like a uh, an arrow on a, on, a, on a radio or something like that. It's sort of ticking back and forth, and you hope it lands in the green, but you've got really no control. You can Occasionally, there's something that might let you change your odds by like 2% or maybe, if you're lucky, 5%, but usually it's pretty much preordained. You don't get much control. And the issue here is what I found is all of my efforts and hours put into this game really meant nothing because all of my successes were built on luck with very little input. And character building, which should be a big strength of a game like this because there are RPG elements, you're told pretty much from the outset that the only way to effectively build your team is every character you recruit, and recruiting is basically you the main way is to effectively kill a stranger in, in, in the world, which has a lot of... Th jarring thematic consequence that's not actually dealt with in the game. So you, the refugee or, or, or the rebels going around just slaughtering people wholesale um, with a smile on your face too. It's absolutely bizarre. And then as you, and then you can recruit them potentially after you've potentially like killed them. But when you level them up, and you assign your stat points to strength, intelligence, or whatever, the game tells you the only effective way to assign your points is to just build all of your characters in one, like each of them individually in one stat. So you might have one character that's all, that's 30 points in strength, one character that's 30 points in intelligence. And the issue here with that I found is there's just a lot of arbitrary shit like this. So if you've got two characters on your team that have, one's got 20 strength and one's got 30 strength, that character with 20 strength, completely redundant. The scores don't add up. Um, none of his strength stats matter. It's not counted towards anything. Completely redundant. So you've got a lot of luck. You've got stats, stat systems that seem to contradict how the game wants you to play. Um, but the entire game tries to play like Darkest Dungeon, but has none of the depth or nuance. So from a surface level, it does what it's supposed to do, and it's competent. So you can play through this game, eventually get to the finish, but just know that eventually, some, sometimes... Your convoy, your little group of revolutionaries will encounter, for me, it was often 
random vehicular combat sequences. So these also play out like the other combat sequences where you've got two vehicles side by side and they're just automatically shooting at one another. And the only interaction you get to do is to say that your guys maybe shoot a tire or shoot a the person on on the vehicle or the engine. None of this actually matters really. Um, because again, it's all RNG. There's some percentiles that switch and change, but you don't really get any agency over any of this. You can put better weapons on your gear, but again, all of this is playing out automatically. All you're ultimately in charge of is targeting. The targeting is inefficient anyway. So the game is best set to automatic, plays itself. And that's really my, my biggest issue with it. It looks like Darkest Dungeon. It looks like it should be a really good game, but you don't get to play it. You get the illusion of playing it, but really the game's just playing itself, ticking over and throwing numbers at you to make you feel good, which kind of reminded me of a mobile game. Not in a derogatory way, but you know how mobile games give you that sort of serotonin blast when you're seeing like a lot of green numbers because green's good, and then you feel bummed because you're seeing red numbers and red's bad. You're getting all of this, but without any consequence. So yeah, I, I didn't want to spend much time talking. I think I just ranted for about six straight minutes, barely caught a breath. Didn't love it, gave it a 4.5. Probably would have went lower, except they're only asking for like 30 bucks for it. And there's a lot of game there. But when you do die, as I said in those vehicular combat sequences, you lose your save file. And I was losing save files like six to eight hours into the game based on random yes. chance. And I just wanted to put my head through the wall. So some, some people with time on their hands will like that. I did not. 4.5. Bummer. Yeah, wow. rough. Mm. Rough. Well, speaking of bummers... I oh, no. reviewed a game that I was very, very keen for, and I've spoken about it a few times here, and that is Martha is Dead. Oh, this game, no. this game Uh-oh. sucks. Um, Ooh, this I is- really wish, I really, really wish it didn't, but this game is just, it, it is something. It is Fucking something. So I don't even know where to start, but the developers of this game have done a game previously called The Town of Lion, which also touches on mental health issues and stuff. And there were a few um, selling points to this game or, or, or components of this game that, that, that they uh, – pointed out during like you know any like marketing or any um descriptions and whatnot and that was that it was built around uh italian folklore about the story about the lady of the lake or the white lady or whatever it's called uh it was set during the second world war and also talked uh and dealt with like uh trauma and, and again like, like mental health problems and that is fine that is fine but I think if you are going to do either of these two things, if you're going to combine these these parts, it needs to it needs to work, and the balance needs to be right. Otherwise, it fe- it, it can feel like it's a it's a poorly attempt uh, at using a, an issue to tell a story. And the problem is here is that the parts because at the end of the, End, end of the day it is a it's a game you know and people play in games for enjoyment sure you know there's some dark stories and whatnot and you can touch on real problems but the story here it's just it's an incoherent and predictable mess 
Um, I really, really wish that they, and it feels like that the, the backdrop of war and the folklore surrounding the white lady is just purely set dressing for them to tell this thinly veiled mental health, you know, narrative, which at the, by the time the credits roll, A, you don't really give a fuck about what's just going on and B, it's like, there's no real closure or there's no, it doesn't give you a sense of, there's no, the story doesn't, doesn't have an ending. Like it has an ending, but you don't know, you don't know what you've just seen, if that makes sense. So, uh, it leaves, it has a lot of questions and, and not in like the good way in like, oh, you know, well, was this, that, or was that, that it was just, it's just like, well, that was just fucking garbage. So that's how I felt about the story. Oof. So the game is set in 1944 and it's set during the second world war. And it follows a, a, a young girl named Julia who has recently lost her sister, Martha, who drowned in the lake near her uh, house in... So, yeah, it's I think it's set in... Did I say it was set in Tuscany or just set in, in Italy? Anyway, it's based off um, Tuscany or, or set there. And it's I was playing on the Series X and it, it's pretty good looking. Like, it looks fairly good um, for the budget that they would have had for this game. So it, it uh, looks all right. Um, in order for uh, Julia to deal with Martha's death, she decides that she will then make it her business to find out what happened and to see why she died. And this is where the folklore comes in because uh, a lot of the pre-marketing, sorry, the pre-release marketing has been about um, this Lady of the Lake and you see these puppets and um the nanny of, of, of one of the girls reads a story, you know, that talks about the lady of the lake and it's how this, how this lady, uh, this lady and the uh, guy, the guy kills the lady because he got jealous and, you know, she's cursed and lives in this lake kind of thing. And, you know, that's a, a very, very cool concept. And it's, you know, and it's all set during, you know, you know, with the war going on in the background. And, by the way, and this might be a minor spoiler, but I'm going to tell you because it also makes me really annoyed that they don't use this backdrop enough or they don't use it um, effectively. But Julia's father is, is actually a high-ranking officer in the Third Reich. So I was under the impression that he was like an Italian farmer or something like, you know, they were just in this house, but that's not the case at all. He's her dad's actually like a, a high-ranking um, officer in, you know, in the German army. So there's like, you know, Nazi, like paraphernalia, you know, stuff, you know, spread about the house and, and whatnot. And it never really touches on that. It just sort of, you know, throws that there like, hey, you know, uh, it's it's all very, again, it's just, it has like, hey, it's set during the World War. Her dad's a Nazi or he works for the Nazis. But cool um and then there's like you know and like with like the white lady it's there's only very few interactions with her so and then it becomes pretty obvious what the story is actually about and where it's going to go and it's just a shame that it didn't utilize the other cool parts of that to tell like a really cool story but also you know have it touch on you know these other issues because there are issues that it does talk about and so it talks about abuse within like families and stuff and it's all like it, it is actually pretty dark but again like the ending 
where the narrative t- goes, it's it just makes you it lessens the impact. Like like the way that the story go- finishes it, and the way that it's told, it's just uh, as I've written here in like my review, I've written that it's a the narrative is a hodgepodge of ideas that don't come together or have the desired impact, and that's just the that's just the first problem. And then there's the second problem, which is the gameplay, which sucks sucks it sucks sucks a lot and i feel really really bad saying that because i was super super keen for this game and to have it stink so much is just you know the curse lives on i guess but uh but just back into the story i did i didn't really mention this but the voice acting is pretty 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 terrible as well so that you know it means that you don't really feel engaged or invested in in sort of what's going on um and the other part that i was i was pretty keen on pre-release is that it's in the, the default language is in Italian. Uh, I would recommend playing with English voiceovers because it is uh, deliver. It gives you a more emotive experience, but even then, it's it's not a lot more. But it does feel that there is more emotion in the delivery of the lines, where the Italian sort of stuff feels a bit flat. Feels doesn't sort of have that. But you know, gameplay. So this is pretty much like a walking simulator for for the most part. You walk around, interact with items pick up items, do that, that sort of stuff, right? Um, but the cool, one one cool feature that they have or that it seemed cool when, when you first found out is that Julia is a photographer or she's into photography. So you actually have to take photos of stuff like around like the woodlands and around the lake and other parts and then develop the photos in like a dark room. But the one thing that this game doesn't understand is that Yes, games are an interactive experience, but not every fucking mundane action that anyone does needs to be an interactive button prompt or something. So far too much of this game is mundane bullshit that just drags the player out of like the immersion. So you take the photo, you go into the dark room. Cool. You go you go to the photo developing machine and it's like proper. So you have like the thing where you choose you, know, you put the slide in it you, then you've got to pick the photo then you've got to make sure it fits in the in the slide correctly then, then, you, then you've got to adjust the focus then you've got to then you go cool you do you you like do all that uh, and then you wait for that but thankfully you can skip this part so you can actually skip to the next part but if you wait it's like you know five or so seconds whatever then she takes the the bit of paper puts it in the tray of liquid i don't know whatever it is you know that you develop the photos with uh there's three trays Thankfully, again, the game simplifies this part and only makes you do the one tray. But then you've got to sit, put the paper in the tray, wait for the timer, because the game tells you you need to let it soak long enough and then push uh, a button prompt when it gets to like eight seconds to then take the photo out and then it'll be a photo. And for every time that you need to do a photo, it does. you have to do this every time. So you have to like wait for the timer, wait for the timer. Yep, we're in the eight second mark thing done cool off you go again so i sort of did what i had to do and did nothing more it was like all right i've got to get this photo uh developed i'll do that one the rest of the photos i've taken whatever um and you need to do like all the adjustment and focusing when you take the photos and that's fine because that makes sense you know like that to me you know you have to sort of adjust based on distance and whatnot you know that's all fine but it's this other little stuff like that so that's just one part and then there's a part where you play where you have to do like this telegraph puzzle um so you have to like to like 
decode like Morse code and shit like that. And I actually hit up Kieran because the key that was in the game just made it made no fucking sense to me whatsoever. And I, I and I know that I'm not the only one where this is has happened. Thankfully, Kieran sort of interpreted the key correctly, and I was able to to do to do the puzzle. But the so you have to not only decode a message, you have to encode or code your own message. So you have to figure out the, the right uh, letters and stuff you have to push. Eventually it becomes pretty easy. But the killer is, once you actually find the right code, so you go, yep, I want to send 10 horsebacks to this area, right? Let's say that's the code. You've then got to go and actually button prompt push every... You got to button push every single one, and some messages that you send can have like fifty pushes. So like there's like a dot is like a push, and a dash is like a hold. So you got to so you, one of the code one of the, one of the words of the code might have three dots. So you go push push push, then it's like a dash. So you hold the button push hold push. It's and you have to send maybe half a dozen codes, and it's just like this didn't need to be a thing. Like this doesn't need you don't the player doesn't have to do this. Um, and then uh, there's like things like telephones. So they're, they're like the old like Magneto style telephones where you got to put the, you know, put your finger in the hole and wind it around. Again, the player has to do this. It has to go to the letter, do that, spin it around, push it in again, spin it around. And it's just like, there's too much interactivity that's bogging down this story. Like, yeah, it just doesn't need to be there. And then, so that's just, that's just one part of the gameplay, right? The other part of the gameplay is these puppet theater shows that you then have to reenact and they're like repressed memories that you reenact and you don't you you sort of do it later in the game it's not sort of something that you do at first but the problem is with this and there's a they're way too long so they are way 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 too long so you have to reenact these um scenes and then you you have to like push a button and sometimes there might be three or four different dialogue options for this puppet. So you got to go choose that one, and then you got to choose that one. If you choose the wrong, the, like like the wrong option, it'll it'll go no 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 no. That's that's not how it went. So then you have to go back to the start and sort of go through the whole thing again. It, it's pretty straightforward, like what you have to do. But I know that I'm uh, stuffed up one of them. But one of the puppet sequences actually occurs after one of the major twists. So it basically tells you this big twist or reveals this twist. And then you have to go and fucking do this shitty puppet show for five minutes. And just, it's like, I don't care. Like, why am I doing this now? Why now? Like, you're basically telling me this, but then, you, but then you're making me do this, which... <sighs> why? Why? Anyway... Uh, and then also you also you get to ride like a bike like during the game and fuck me dead. If these developers have ever seen a bike before, I'd be surprised because that is the worst bike mechanics in the fucking world. They are terrible. Absolutely terrible. Like why why are they even in there? There's just so they, much Do they ride like penny farthings? It's I don't even, they don't they don't ride like anything. They ride it's you have to like it's something that you have to play to fucking experience how terrible, how terrible this like everything you're is. saying and right now is telling me I don't have to play it though. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> um, 
and there's also these there's like these dream sequences as well where you they're like uh dylan blight described them pretty he just described them best as like on rails parts and they kind of are they're, they're like uh dream sequences where you got to run where you're running through the forest and then you get to like a fork in the road and there's two words and you got to run to the correct word so Ugh. and quite often it's not it's not super easy to figure out which one it is most of the time you know because something can be 50 50 you get the wrong one and it goes you back goes you back to the start run back again it's just think this there's this gameplay mechanics and ideas and design here that just bog everything down it becomes a slog it just makes me want to turn it off uninstall it and wish i'd never played it but uh, one one more thing, and I'll touch on is just the censorship. So I played on Xbox, and which wasn't censored. There, I believe there are two parts of the game that are not interactive on PlayStation. The first one is is the one that we discussed last week, and that's the face cutting scene. Eh, you know that doesn't. I don't think that part is actually that bad. The second part, I can definitely see some people being that is pretty fucked up because um, it, is, it is actually pretty fucked up. But again, like, for me, I was like, eh, it's not... Playing it's actually not that bad. Like, it's not that bad. But the what you're visually seeing is pretty fucked up. Um, Do you reckon the uh, the black writing should have been censored from the PlayStation? That should have been censored from the entire game. <laughs> I, think, I think the game should be censored from the fucking PlayStation store. Um, <laughs> look, I don't know what I'm going to score it yet. Um, I haven't written my final thoughts. Uh, that's the part I'm stuck on it's gonna be a four or a three i haven't um yeah i haven't fully decided i'm just I, I try and think about what i liked about it and i'm like there's just nothing there's just nothing that i enjoyed about this game at all um the concept is absolutely butchered uh like if they just didn't and, and like it just feels like they've just shoehorned these other cool ideas into a poor story about uh mental health and it's not even like it doesn't this is gonna this, this might sound weird but it doesn't feel like a good mental health story either because it's i don't want to say anything without spoilers but yeah it just yeah it's um i don't think it's a very good story i don't think it's a very good game um i don't in fact i don't i can't even think of anything that's redeeming about it like the soundtrack is under you like there is a cool soundtrack here that plays when you fucking hit pause or you go into like a menu um but then when you're in in open play and there's like cool there 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 was like one really really cool not cool but it was like a pretty creepy sequence where you at night you got this lantern you're going down to the lake to to meet this white lady um or you know to try and summon this white lady it's you know and it's shit like that that they should have used more and had like a cool atmospheric soundtrack but it's just it just it just doesn't it just doesn't it just wants you to it just wants to go the other way and just yeah and i, I just thought i still don't even really un, understand the end like i don't i don't know what i just played what i just experienced because it just it, it twists and turns so much sort of at the end that i'm like what the fuck is anything right now like what even is this um and there's a part where no, I can't say that because that's a spoiler. But there's a part that's it's just stuff that's in there that feels in there in there for shock value or for I don't know. Um, 
That game, basically. <laughs> Don't play it. TLDR, shit. Um, yeah, that sounds hell monotonous. I have gone from moderate interest to absolutely none. Did you ever play the medium? I reviewed the medium. Oh, uh, you reviewed the medium. Hate, and I hated that game too. Well, so so yeah. this is proof that uh, Nathan doesn't read our content. <laughs> oh, I'll give you a break. We're going back a few years. I've, 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 I've got an archive. Yeah. We have a prerequisite that when you apply to join the site, you need to le- uh, read back by at least a few years of No, of you have to read. Site's content. You Maybe if the site it. had a few years of content. Ooh. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. It does, but it's just it... locked behind a paywall. It's locked behind a paywall that he doesn't want to pay. Yeah, look, no. I, I, I'm not crazy about the medium myself, but when you're talking about the. Um, developing the photos it immediately clicked for me that's a that's a sequence that you do early on in the medium and it wasn't any, it wasn't much fun there either where you had to go through three trays to like color and develop the photo and then get yeah. the light and eh, nah, i gave i gave i gave the medium a six and for your uh uh whatever it comes it came out on january 28th last year oh it's just the playstation no this is xbox oh okay i uh, um Apology accepted, wow. man. Yeah, Apology yeah, accepted. That, that's a that's a big old um, fuck up. Sorry, <laughs> that's all right. He's going to dock your pay for this. Um, but yeah, so no I'm, I'm very very disappointed with Martha is Dead. I was and like, I was just even as I was playing, I was like, this it can't be. And you know when sometimes when you play a game and it takes about 15, 20, maybe half an hour, and you go, this game is not going to be good. Like you can just tell that. You just know that this game is not what you signed up for. It's going to be a bit of a stinker. I just got that vibe real early on that this game was going to be a bit garbage. And um, and I was just waiting. I was waiting for it to fucking turn. Because, like, you know, not. I don't want to say this in, like, the wrong way, but, like, you know, Nazi shit is... It's interesting, like you know that, like that is an interesting, you know, backdrop. You know, we, we look at Wolfenstein and how that. I mean, obviously, two very different games, but you look at how it uses that to to build like a interesting world or like a narrative. And not saying that this game had to be, you know, the white lady didn't have to be a fucking Nazi or some shit, but um, just I don't know, just build it, build into that more a little bit because like the war part is, just, it's just not touched on at all, really, apart from it slaps a few things down and and. Like, like Julia has a love interest. Like you, you find out that she has this love interest, um, who's a rebel, by the way. Like he's part of like this rebel thing, and it's like you fucking interact with this guy once. Like I thought, I think, I think you interact with him. I can't actually recall if you do or not. Um, in the game, and it's like there's all this cool shit here that you could use to. Anyway, bad game. <clears throat> Fuck Martha's dead. Let's let's move on. Nice. Good to get that off your chest. You feel better? I feel sad. I feel <laughs> sad, man. <laughs> Martha is dead and Zach is sad. The the curse the curse lives on. Um What's the curse? You get excited about something and it's shot. Yeah. 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 I quite quote a, I, I quote Zach a few years ago on a podcast. He's like I can't remember what game it was because I was looking at it and it looks like he won't be too shit. <laughs> <laughs> See, look, I, I knew that this wasn't going to be amazing. Like, I didn't expect this to be amazing. But I was like, if this can be a 7 out of 10, you know, I'm, that's cool. I'm, that's I'm a winner okay for with you. it. That's yeah, Cyberpunk. I, that's, that's a 10. That's, that's, that's like my version of a 10. <laughs> you know what else uh, is a 10? Forbidden West. Anyway, <laughs> let's... Um, Shut up. 
let's go to something that actually <laughs> let's go to the what we're all here for and the uh we weren't all here for Martha is dead I felt like I felt like we, we gave a lot of airtime to that <laughs> no, we did. Should, should. Martha is dead, so is the podcast. <laughs> should, it, everyone's already tuned out now. They're like, fucking this game. Attention span is the dead. main event. What's worse, the game or the podcast? I don't know. All right, Speaking so of being dead, you've been dead a lot lately because <laughs> you have been playing Elden Ring. Jordan, you're reviewing it for Well Played. Kieran, you just got lucky and have access. Mm. Uh, Jordan, you're a massive From Souls. Fan, probably the biggest from, right? from Souls. From Souls, <laughs> one of his Look, favorite that's... series, Dark Software. <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, um, look, Martha's dead. It's it's like fucking with me, all right? So. I, I love that director. He did talk of Bloodborne. <laughs> I actually d- d- didn't even um, didn't even notice that. Nice one. Anyway, uh, you've been playing Eldest fucking what's it called? Elden Ring. Um, Elden Souls. Nine out of ten. Talk to me. Talk to me. It's good. Okay, move on. Okay. That's how you uh, do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, so I have spent uh, probably, I said the past week, uh, basically religiously playing Elden Ring. Uh, pretty much the only time I haven't been playing it is when I've been playing the other From Souls games for, for the stream. Um, but, man, I went in with the highest expectations for this game. Even even with the fact that George R. R. Martin's name is tied to it, um, and it's still completely blown me away at how good it is. Wow! I, uh, I intentionally left myself pretty blind. I didn't touch the the closed network tests. I didn't look at a lot of the you know promo material or anything. You know, I like to being a big fan of from from Souls games. Um, <laughs> uh, I. Uh, you know, I like to go in as blind as possible, and uh, even so much so that there was a, a like a, a few tips that they they sent to everyone in the media to like help them get started. And I was like, "Fuck that! I'm gonna go in knowing nothing." Uh, and it has been one of the most wonderful experiences I've had with the game since I first played Breath of the Wild. Wow! Ooh. All right, mate. You're gonna give me another Forbidden West, are you? <laughs> Potentially, but um, like I, I definitely feel a lot of open world fatigue, and I mentioned this in the review, which I literally, sorry Zach, but I kind of finished it while you were talking about that other game. Um, but uh, I, I find a lot of my problems okay with, with uh, a lot of open worlds is they mark everything, whether it be on the map or there's waypoints that are in your face. They, there's just so much information that it's just. Uh, it, it just becomes all muddled and you don't remember anything. Elden Ring doesn't do that. It takes the esoteric design that From Souls are known for <laughs> and um, it, it kicks it up a notch. So uh, it starts you off in what's in the area known as Limgrave uh, and the game is set in what's known as the Land Between and the, the Elden Rings have been shattered and you need to go get the pieces to you know, form it all together and become an Elder Lord. But the story is not the front and center of the game, and it never has been. The only time that direct storytelling has really, you know, been a thing in a Miyazaki game has been Sekiro. Hmm. Um, but where, where this game does really well is how it guides you, but it doesn't force you in a specific direction. And that's something that 
uh, the Soulsborne games have done a lot before, but never to the degree of an open world. It's always been basically Metroidvania design where it's, you know, linear but open at the same time. It's kind of like branching paths. Uh, whereas the, the way they, they wonderfully and masterfully guide you in this game is through... Uh, through the combat so it'll throw really really difficult things and massive things to just daunt the fuck out of you to put you in the opposite direction so you go in the right way the only other way that it points you in the right direction is the resting points known as sites of grace um, they'll point towards uh, a main focal point for that area if there is one uh, but it's very subtle you'll either only see it on the map in a general direction it won't be pinpoint accurate or if you're near a side of grace that is going to point you, you'll see a little very faint line go in that direction in the game. And that's it. That's all the direction you get. Um, and it's just what's so good about the way that they've done this open world is they don't let you discover everything at once. There are things that open up as you progress through more of the story, as you progress through more of the game. And, you know, you you set certain events in motion. So the world actually opens up and becomes deeper than you originally anticipated, which is something that I wasn't expecting because the way they described it is very much like Breath of the Wild. Big world with some key bosses and a lot of little dungeons. And, you, you know, for all respects, it is that, but they've done it in such a way that uh, you don't really get tired of exploring. Because, you know, there's always something hidden and you try to find how to access it. And it's just, it's so wonderfully done. I'm at about close to 65 hours in the game. Uh, and at no point have I been like, oh, another area? Are you serious? I'm like, man, this area is awesome. I want to see every little nook and cranny in this. It's just, I, I've been completely like, floored by how good this game actually is. Nice. So you're playing on PC, correct? Yes. And how's it? Uh, so I think we we might have said previously, but or maybe privately, but from Souls games uh, don't that they're, they're not the most technically optimized or something like like that. No, there they, they have a history. Yeah. They have a history of being um, shit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they definitely made some improvements over the years. You know, every subsequent release, they've gotten better, mm. especially after Bloodborne, where they're just like, 19 frames a second is a good frame rate. Um, but uh, this game runs well and doesn't at the same time. So when it doesn't have issues, it's very smooth. The problem is it'll hitch or it'll just have random frame drops. And some of these can be attributed to, to texture streaming. Um, you get that in some games, like with uh, the RE2 remake, when you go uh, through certain doors, your frames will drop because it's very quickly loading yeah, a new area and unloading the old one. Yeah. Um, and so you get that in some areas in Elden Ring, but honestly, it's just mostly not the most optimized games. There's quite a bit of uh, texture popping, and I think that's uh, a remnant from the more restrictive engine that they're using. Uh, because uh, a lot of controversy was around the fact that they're sticking with the engine and not going to something like Unreal to make a the, to make Elden Ring as beautiful as something like the Demon Souls remake. That's a standard to meet. 
<laughs> it is a standard to meet. Game's gorgeous. Um, but I, I think a lot of the performance issues can definitely be ironed out. It's nothing unplayable. I don't know how it is on console, because like I said, I played on PC. Um, but given that PC is usually the worst performing of the platforms that they cover, it hasn't been too bad. I have had a couple issues. Uh, I did have one where in an area that I wasn't in, uh, the textures weren't loading, so I kind of saved and reloaded, and I got stuck in an infinite loop, so I had to reboot the game. Uh, and I also noted, and I don't know if this is for console, but it definitely was the case for me when playing on PC, uh, on two different PCs, by the way, um, playing for extended periods of time would have performance degradation. Right. Uh, and once again, this what, could be ironed out. In, it just means the game will slowly run worse and worse the longer right. you play it in a single sitting. Kind of like memory leaks, I assume? Kind of, yeah. yeah. I haven't actually been tracking the memory or anything. And by the way, it absolutely does not use 12 gigabytes of memory like it says. <laughs> this is the minimum. Not even... I think the most I saw was like six. But... Um, yeah, uh, it, it was very. There are some really weird performance anomalies, but honestly, for the most part, it's pretty good. I don't know how the day one patch uh, plays into it because we were just emailed today that uh, we can move off the preview build and onto the day one build, uh, which I haven't done yet because I had to re-download the game because that's how moving off builds on PC works. Uh, but honestly, for the most part. I can see a little bit of cleaning up to do, but it definitely won't always be hitting at 60 FPS, even on PC. All right, I've got, some, I've got a few questions I'm sure Nathan does as well, but I want to just quickly go to Kieran. What you've played, I'm going to assume not 60 hours like Jordan. Definitely but, um, not that long. How much time have you spent getting your ass kicked? <laughs> um, I've put maybe like <laughs> seven or eight hours into it. Yeah. Um, and uh, being a total... Uh, from Souls noob um, with the exception of maybe like half of Sekiro um, I, I'm i really enjoying it so far um, like Jordan said the open world design is, is like key to why it's so good um, especially as like someone who's unfamiliar to the games because there's so much scope for uh you know, if, if something's giving me too much trouble, I can just walk, literally walk in a different direction and I'll find something else compelling, no matter like which way I go. So like, I still haven't beaten the first, I guess it's like, uh, would you call Margit like a mid boss or is it like? I, uh, yeah, I, I would call him the first real boss. Okay, of cool. The game. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better then. Um, I still haven't beaten the first real boss, but I've put that much time into the game. I've unlocked like another area of the map or I've, you know, I've like found like another area of the map and I've d done lots of cool stuff. Um, and eventually I'll probably go back and fight him because I feel like maybe confident enough to do it now. Um, and also there's so much potential for like really kind of like micro adventures where you'll find like a really cool castle or a cave and you'll go in and it might be super tough and you might just repeat this one little gameplay sequence like two or three times, but they're not overly huge. But like, it's it's like, you, you know, you're learning this little area off by heart and you're learning where the enemies are and and how to tackle it um, in just such like these small kind of interesting like handcrafted areas. And then you just go back out into the world with the spoils that you've got and you 
say, you know, fuck yeah, I'm going to go do something else now. So like, yeah, I'm finding it as someone unfamiliar, even though it's still not very friendly to new people. It doesn't really go out of its way to explain what you should do and why you should do it. Um, in terms of like the core gameplay mechanics, um, I'm still having a lot of fun figuring it out. Nice. And one thing I did forget to mention to go along with uh, its open world is uh, with its questing. Uh, I think this is somewhere where an accessibility mode would work because it's questing as it is now. I love it, but it doesn't give a flying fuck if you forget a detail or if you weren't paying attention Mm. for a second. If you miss something, you've missed it. Mm. And it can be the make or break for a quest. And I love that design. I think that's phenomenal, but it does make things very inaccessible for some people. So I, I don't think the game is worse for not having an accessibility mode, but I think it would be better if it had one that allowed for some kind of log or journal for details like that. Just, just for people that, you know, either can only, you know, pick it up from time to time or can't remember every detail. Yeah. So just, just explain to me uh give me an example of what that means so, so when so when you say you miss a detail for a quest you've missed okay. that quest or so, something right so so the way it works so if you haven't really played any from software games there's always been like from npc Souls, yeah. side quests uh yeah. sorry from souls i'm gonna show them their respect That's uh <laughs> um yeah there are npc side quests but they've never been really been logged or tracked by the game right. in in a, in a sense that the player can see uh okay. all the tracking is done behind the scenes and the way that you're supposed to progress through these things is pay attention to what these npcs say because there will be a hint in them that'll put you in the general direction to progress these quest lines right now it works a lot better in those in the dark souls and the bloodborns because they're a lot smaller condensed worlds that have branching paths but there's only so many places for these people to be when you're in a large expansive environment there is there are so many places that these characters can be. And if you miss a detail, you can spend hours searching yep. a section of the map. Yeah. Right, and okay. I, I, I love that because I, I love the idea that there's agency on the player to track things, not the game. But I absolutely see people that can't jive with this because of that fact. Because it isn't for everyone. Some people have attention issues. Some people you know, have memory issues, stuff like that. And something as simple as, you know, when you start a character, you enable a quest log or something just to make things a little easier on them without compromising the design of the game or anything because it's not like they're putting quest markers or anything. They're actually describing these environments and you've got to use their descriptions to find these people. It's just rather going back to refer to these things as a refresher. Yeah, that, that rings especially true to the way I'm playing it, which is definitely very much the like, oh, I need your help with this and I'll go to attempt it and realize it's fucked and just go do something else. Like, I'm not going to remember half the shit that I started and didn't finish. But, yeah. That's a small thing, I think. For me, anyway. Also, quick question. Because do I, I don't know if you've done any dialogue skipping. Because in my experience of playing all, the, all these games, uh, I read the subtitles way quicker than oh, they're yeah. voiced. Have you noticed the dialogue double skipping? Uh, no. Because I have had an issue, at least on PC, on both PCs, mind you, as well, where if I skip a line, if I don't hold the A or the cross or X button or whatever you want to call it, um, it'll also skip the next line oh. for some stupid reason. The and I've been lost effect. in some... 
I, I've been lost in some some quests because of that. Because it just happens to skip the line that has the most important detail in it. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing like that. Because um, I've been playing on, on PS5. I, I realized I didn't mention that. Um, and that's been smooth sailing so far, I guess. I've been playing in the um, like the performance mode that I, I guess targets 60 FPS. I don't really have any reliable way of measuring whether it's hitting that all the time. There is a little bit of stutter here and there. Um, and the texture pop-in is pretty bad. Like grass kind of just loads right in front of you constantly. Yeah, um, I, th- th- it is bad, but it is also once you get in the mood enough, you kind of just forget yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like it's, I guess, coming from Forbidden West, it d- definitely doesn't feel like a next-gen game, even on a next-gen console. Um, yeah, but in saying that, the actual like art But the art, like they make the up game. for it with the art. Like being yeah, out, like, like looking out even, in any any single direction oh. you look out in, there's like at least three or four like landmarks that look fucking awesome, and you're like, I want to go there. Yeah, and even just going down to like you know the color contrast in like the foliage and yeah. the ground, it's all just so it's it's quite um it's quite muted in its colors, mm. but they pop where they need to, yeah. and then you know in some areas they'll have like these fog or lighting effects that set the tone. So like in Limgrave. You have quite a cool uh, color tone, which kind of makes it feel both welcoming but haunting at the same place because you know that there's something in here that's just going to pop out of the ground and fuck you up. Mm. So that's actually one of the questions I had. And Nathan, do you have any really that it's that you're absolutely gagging to get out? Nah, nah. I've got, I've got a couple of sort of like in-house sort of reference questions for, for Jordan, but they can wait. All right. <laughs> All right, so I've got a couple of ones. I want to, and I guess you've mentioned it. So I want to talk about the 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 quality of visuals and and art and whatnot. So I, I was chatting uh, to KV. Do you remember Italian Kratos? I do remember Italian Kratos. <laughs> yeah. So he he's he is is a massive From Souls um, fan as well, and he played Demon Souls. Loved it. I right? absolutely fucking loved it. Like he, uh, I think. When he got his PS5, sorry, sorry, right before he got his PS5, he was playing like fucking Bloodborne again for like, he was like the sixth time or some shit. I'm like, dude, play like something else. Um, anyway, okay, so. Mr. The Order 1888. Play, play the Order 1886. Actually, I've, oh. I've played that this week. I didn't talk about that. No. <laughs> Don't you dare. Well, We'll share that for next week because I actually have some some thoughts on that. Anyway, um, but anyway, so the the question is, um, he was saying to me that he, after playing Demon Souls, his and having a PS Five, his expectations are up here. You know, in terms of visual fidelity, like you know, why can't From Souls make it look like, um, you know, make it look like yeah, you know? And I was trying to explain like you know that's one that's a developer making a game for a single platform, uh, as opposed to you know. From Souls, who are making it for what, like six, seven, and they've got a head start. They're only giving it a facelift. I mean, there's much more to it yeah. than that. Yeah, but they ain't uh, building it from the and ground. The up. scope is much smaller as well. Yeah. So his his worry is that visually, Elden Ring is not going to be as pleasing, um, and it won't look uh, like it. I I would understand that if you're going for sheer graphical fidelity. It definitely doesn't hold a candle to something like um, Horizon Forbidden West or, you know, even Zero Dawn for that matter. But those games are more designed uh, 
I don't, and I don't mean this as an indictment on them, but they're, they're more designed to showcase what's possible on those platforms. Whereas From Software's games are designed to be like fully fledged experiences first and foremost. And they worry about those things after the fact. And it's not to say that graphically Elden Ring is bad. Like I, I've been playing it and th- this game still looks really good. It's just... Uh, if you com- unfairly compare it to those other titles, it's, it, it yeah. won't hold up. Yeah, well, the games that he... Uh, I just went had a quick look through. The games that he compared it to when we were having this chat, and I was like, dude, like you got you got to bring it down a lot because it's... He's like, Ghost Tsushima, Horizon. <laughs> and it's like, you, you're talking about yeah. first-party so AAA th- that's, exclusives. That's, that's also a very unfair comparison because not only is it made for like a singular platform, mm. but those developers are given the schematics and the ins and outs of these systems. So they are taught how to leverage every single bit of power in these mm. systems. From Software doesn't have that. They're given a dev, dev kit and going, make it work. Yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, you pretty much answered the question before I sort of asked that you were saying that the art style is sort of, you know, what makes up for it. But visually, were, were you a little bit disappointed? Or are you okay no. No, not really. Um, I think part of that is I'm someone that prefers art over fidelity. Uh, mm. I mean, uh, look at. Uh, but it still looks know. good, right? Like, like it does. Oh yeah, look... no, no, it, it still yeah. looks good. But like, right. look at say comparing Monster Hunter World and Monster Hunter Rise. If you look at it in a pure technical sense, World looks better than Rise. But I'll choose Rise any of the day, any day of the week, because it's more pleasing. Right. It's got a better art style that's more conducive to its environment. Right, okay. Mm. Um, second question I had was about story. Now, we know that George... Um, oh, mate, George Ricky Martin was hey. doing doing part of it, but um, how is the story? Because I, I, I know that these games aren't really about story, but is there more story here than it has been in previous games, or is it still...? Uh, yes and no. Um... So there definitely is a little bit more focus on the story, but you have to put in the work to figure it out. Right, um, okay. it, there, there are definitely more avenues to, to learn about the story because uh, a lot of the NPCs you talk to in one way or another teach you more about what happened to the world. Um, so you're not just relying on in-game item descriptions like KS will reference so much. Um, mm-hmm. But... In terms of like the very direct storytelling from the in-game events, there's not too much to go on. You have your main character, Mylena, uh, but you don't really see too much of her. Um, and yeah, it's just the the main story is not exactly the focus of the game. It's more the the world building and the atmosphere that are front and center. Okay. So if, if you're going in for like a, a proper, you know, story-driven experience like your Ghost of Tsushima's or your Horizons or, uh, you know, or even like your God of War or stuff like that, you're probably going to be left disappointed. But if you go in with the, the expectations of it's a game first with some really interesting story in the background, you'll be pleasantly surprised at how much there is to offer. Can you... Can you see Ricky Martin's uh, influence on the story? <laughs> um, <laughs> Levina, look. 
Uh, not really, because it got finished. Uh, but, uh... Oh, <laughs> oh okay. So yep. It, Sorry. It, yep. it took me a second to get that. Uh... Thanks, Jordan. But to, to be fair, most of what his work was was more just setting the, the core framework for the world, not the event itself. So it, it's more like um, giving you dot points, but then someone else fills in the details. So, you know, you, you can kind of get some of the stuff. There is a lot of insistence on dragons in this game, which is very much a George R. R. Martin thing. Um but yeah, outside of that, it's mostly your typical, you know, uh, esoteric storytelling that you're used to from from Souls. Okay. Uh, the last question I have for what Kieran, uh, you know that I have actually bought a copy of of this. I'm I'm going to be jumping in. Uh, you're going to be very much like you're much like me, and uh, in terms of difficulty, how hard is it? Because I know that KS did mention that it is somewhat, um, and I guess this can also be a question for Jordan as well, but the open world design of it does, uh, as you sort of touched on, makes it a little bit more accessible, but is it still hard as fuck, basically, is what I'm asking. I mean, I'm I'm finding it difficult, for sure, because uh, I'm not used to the design of these games, uh, like, so, like, trying to learn how to approach combat in this versus the, I guess, more forgiving hack and slash kind of action games that I'm used to. It's definitely, it's definitely a big learning curve there. Yeah, no um, button mashing? No button mashing. Um, uh, my coordination and reflexes probably aren't up to scratch for what this game expects of me either, um, but I'm getting there. I'm learning to work around that. Um, and, you, you know, the game lets you work around shortcomings that you have with design, which is really cool. Um, but it's like, again, like I said, like the difference between something like Sifu, which is also punishingly difficult. And this is that Sifu will go, Oh, you did that wrong. Do it again a hundred times. Whereas Elden Ring will be like, Oh, you did that wrong. Do it again a hundred times if you want, or go find a bit of better, shinier gear or go to this other place mm -hmm. and just forget this ever happened. Um, it's, uh, it's very flexible Yeah, in the best way. Yeah. And like, you can just like, like I spent maybe a good couple hours just, um, just leveling up my character, just walking around, beating things up, practicing on like random mobs, but also getting experience while doing or getting runes or whatever they're called while doing it. And then by the time I'd spent a while doing that, not only was I better generally at combat, but also my character was beefier. So it made pushing forward a little bit easier. Um, so like yeah, it, like moment to moment combat and like the enemies that you'll face, it's still, you know, brutally difficult. But the game design lets you kind of get better on your own terms, which is not what I like. When I played Demon Souls for like an hour and I was like, "Fuck this game," but Elden Ring, I'm I'm more happy to invest that time. I got a bit of an ancillary question to what you just mentioned, and that's the character. So, how how cool is the character creator? It's really cool if you I want to make someone I... butt ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I spent about an hour making the ugliest character I've made in a from soft uh, sorry a from souls game. Yeah right. Yep. Uh, yeah. But it it is a very flexible character creator because you you edit virtually every value. Can you um, is it a pick your own gender kind of game? Uh, body creator, type. So body type. Okay. Okay. Cool. 
Nice. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll stop with the questions because uh, we've we've gone on a fair while here. But, I mean, big game, so big episode. Nathan, what, what do you got for uh, Jordan? Significantly shorter questions. So, uh, Jordan, you'd be uh, look, taking a punt here. Uh, you, you'd be familiar with Berserk by now. Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as, as a long-time fan of the series, you'd obviously, you probably would have identified, if you're familiar enough with Berserk, the, the sort of crossover. There's so much heavy... Kentaro, oh, yeah. your influence in this world. Um, do you think there's so, and that's always been the case, like throughout the Miyazaki from Souls games. Is there less of an influence here in favour of George R. R. Martin, or you still think this is first and foremost Miyazaki inspired by Miura in the world building? I mean, it's got the Tree of Life from Berserk yeah. For, yeah. for one, which is plastered all over the the marketing material, but yeah. Give us an idea. I, I, I think it's um, if uh, Berserk and Game of Thrones had sex and yeah. then Elden Ring and popped they would. out. But it was, and, uh, they would. <laughs> Fucking and uh, El- Elden Ring popped out with the best of both worlds. Uh, you can definitely feel the, the influences influences and references uh, to to both those properties. And you can even see um, the influences of previous games. Like there are some little nods and stuff to FromSoul's previous works. Um, so like if, if you're attentive to that stuff, you will definitely see it. I'm not the most attentive cause I dropped Game of Thrones very early and I haven't read much Berserk. Uh, I only read enough to kind of understand the references in Dark Souls. Right. Um, right. but, uh, you, you can definitely see it. Uh, and you know, it's just, just taking the best points of those worlds and their designs and kind of just kicking them. them up a notch. <laughs> Um, no, that's sweet. And no spoilers, but I'd be tickled to hear if you've encountered Old Mate Patches. I'm assuming Old Mate Patches makes an appearance. I actually haven't. So, context, because you f- folks probably don't know who Patches is, but every From Souls game has a character known as Patches. And I guess... It would be a spoiler like 10 years ago, but it's such an in-joke now. So Patches, this character makes an appearance in all the games in some form or another. He's always an NPC uh, and he's always a jerk. So he'll, he'll talk to you and he'll be like, hey, come over and check out this treasure chest I've got in this hole. And you'll be like, oh, shit, yeah. And you'll go, you'll, you'll walk over to the edge of this little pitfall and you see some treasure, you're like, shit, yeah. And he will just kick you down. Like he's an absolute prick. Or he'll be like, hey, I need some help. Do you have somewhere where I can shelter up? You'll invite him back to your base and you'll kill everyone. Like, he's an absolute little troll. So, um, it's it's always always exciting to see when he pops up and where he'll pop up in these games. But I'm, I'm pretty tickled to hear Jordan hasn't encountered him. I'm expecting that we will. And if Jordan hasn't found him, we'll probably find him somewhere interesting. Yeah, it, it's entirely possible that he's somewhere really direct. But, like, I, I very quickly went off the beaten path because I was like, I'm going to go in the wrong direction. And I immediately got squashed by a dragon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. This sounds terrific. Nice. All right. And I know you haven't finished your review, but if you no, were I to have. put us... Okay. I oh, know. Sorry. Yes, you did say that. Um, well, I was talking about Martin was junk. A big old Sonic Mania out of 10. Is that what you're scoring it? Yep. Sonic Mania? Yep. Oh, now I'm confused. Is that actually a 10? I don't know. Yeah, what's <laughs> what's Sonic Mania on a... On a... <laughs> <laughs> it's an 11 out of 10 
No, so you're going with a. I'm 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 going with a ten. It it um I don't like to use this term lightly because that the implications it has on people's works following the fact, but it feels like because of how much of this is of a culmination of experience and refinement from the past decade from From Souls, this is their magnum opus. Oof! All right. Wow. Big words. There you go. So it's one point. So it's point one uh, point better than Demon Souls. Yes. I fucking still haven't forgiven you for that nine point nine. You dog. <laughs> you told me it was nine? okay. If you Are didn't you want serious? it, I would have just you know. remake or did yeah, you remake. give remake a nine point nine? Yeah, because I. You're taking the really, piss. It had some really bad performance issues in co-op. Oh. Like really bad. Anyway, that's a, that's a story for another time, but um, nice, very very nice. KV, I know you haven't played much at all, but if you had to put a score on it, I know you love giving things 10s. Is this a 10 as well? <laughs> Leave him alone. Yeah. Fuck. He's, he's <laughs> going to give it a Horizon Forbidden West attitude. <laughs> um, uh, because no, Adam's um, not here, KV's got to cop it. Uh, I would give it, based on the portion of it that I've played so far... Uh, yeah, like I guess I wouldn't be surprised to see it get a nine out of ten from yep. someone like me dabbling in that sort of thing for the first time. Nice, cool, respectable. All right, now you've reminded me, Karen, that you played a preview. Do you want to give us like a very, 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 very quick not really through of that? Not really. <laughs> okay. No, uh, that is one of the things that I played recently that I forgot to mention. Um, which is uh, a preview of Submerged Hidden Depths. I don't know if anyone here ever played the original Submerged. It was like 2017, 2016. It was ages ago. Um, little indie exploration. Oh, 2015. Little indie exploration game by a Canberra studio called Uppercut Games. Um, and it was just a very chill, like, uh, yeah, exploratory indie game where you played as, as this brother and sister duo and you had to sort of explore this submerged ruined world to find medicine for your dying brother and you know at the time like when the indie market was still i guess young it was you know it was all right it, it definitely wasn't amazing um and this is like a pseudo reboot i guess because it features the same two characters but in a completely different story but in sort of a similar setting um I think it was exclusive to Stadia like last year when it first released, but now it's coming to every other platform. Um, so I played a preview build of it uh, and it's pretty much the same deal. You just kind of like sail around this ruined flooded city in a little boat and you explore buildings and do lots of climbing mechanics and puzzles to find items. Um, but it's a little bit more story heavy this time, a little bit prettier and you know, the climbing mechanics are better and there's more puzzles and, uh, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's like uh, the preview, like what I could talk about was like an hour of the game. So it's not really much to get like a full impression, but um, it's like exactly one of those games where if you, you know, if you've had a long week, long week at work, you just want to sit down on a Saturday afternoon and just like blow through a game in like five hours. It's pretty, doesn't ask too much of you, doesn't really tax the the gray matter or all the reflexes, but it just looks nice and gives you something to work towards some collectibles to pick up and, you know, a goal to accomplish. That's like the kind of game that this is. So if that's nice. what you like, look forward to it. I think it comes out on the 10th of March. 
Cool. Man, I just looked nice. that game up. Did you see how the critics responded to the OG? Yeah, not not kindly, Savaged I it. imagine. Yeah. Uh, I won't yeah. say any more on that because that, that's neither here <laughs> nor there. But and it, plus, it was only twelve people. That's that's not a huge aggregate. But yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, you can yeah you can check out the um what is it the preview mm. on uh, the website. Uh, in terms of shout-outs this week, the only ones I've got is... Shout-outs to Blow. Holly has done a preview for the new Rainbow Six Siege season. Uh, season 7, Year 1, uh, I think it's Season uh, season 7 is called Demon Vale. Uh, yeah, you can check out her. She got to check out uh, the first year content, I think, or, or at least part of it. And got a look at some of the roadmaps. She's really got, got a preview there, so definitely check that out. And can, can I can I just point out you got that flipped? It's year seven, season one. This isn't the first year of Rainbow Six. Did I say season one, year seven? <laughs> no, you said season seven, year one. Yeah, I think that was right. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, nah, fuck that. Eh? Um, looks like they oops. might be introducing crossplay. I think I saw uh, that in Holly's article. Uh, I read it. I don't recall. Sorry. Um, also, Mark Isaacson's got a couple of uh, features up there. He gives a little primer for Destiny, which comes out this Friday. So if you need to uh, refresh yourself on who Sabathun. that person is, you can go check that out. Uh, and also done, done a little Mario Kart one thing there. All right, we'll whip through the news headline-wise because there's not hardly anything to talk about. Maybe we'll, t- we'll touch on one or two. Uh, Born Punk, the Australian cyberpunk, um, sorry, the Australian made cyberpunk point and click game comes in June, June 15. That's coming on PCs. I'm pretty cool, pretty excited. I mean, I'm pretty cool, but I'm also pretty excited for that. Uh, Sonic is getting, they announced a third film as well as a Knuckles TV show. Uh, KV, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yep, I'll reserve judgment until I've seen these things, but I'm pretty excited. Cool, and it's Idris Elba, yeah? no, as Knuckles. Yeah, boy. Yeah. yeah, yes, you did. As Knuckles, um, what a choice! Not someone Elbows I would have thought as Knuckles. of. Knuckles. <laughs> uh, and speaking of films adaptations and whatnots, uh, Bioshock is getting a movie adaptation via Netflix. No good. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. Right. Did you shoot uh, yourself? Because the good, the, the proper reaction is, holy fuck, we've been waiting for that for a while. No, the proper right, reaction okay. is, holy fuck, give up. He shot himself. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me uh, Kieran's really excited about this. Um, right, very cool. So that's, that, that, that's good. Um, and do they give any indication on when it's coming? Like when... I'm uh, having a quick read here. So. Uh, um, no, nothing. Fuck all. Uh, speaking of also things, of also things, also movie things... Uh, Fallout TV show movie or whatever they're doing is put on that guy that there's an actor. Walton Goggins, the man. He's so good. Yeah, he's going to be in that. So that's your film and TV news this week. Shout outs to that stuff. Um, Probably the biggest news this week is that the Capcom countdown uh, ended and it announced Street Fighter 6, much to the surprise of probably nobody. Um, 
I was thinking about this before, but I, didn't this start with like six days as well? Didn't it start on, or was it a week? Did I just see it a little bit late? I think it just, it, it, I think it was a weekend, so that like when it started, it was on six days already. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I was going to say that, surely that's like a dead giveaway right, right there. That could have been um, Resident Evil also, 6 remake. Ryu's. <laughs> I like your sense of humor. How do you? Ryu's got a fat dick, uh, apparently, from what I'm, and nice looking toes. So if you like toes and yeah, come on. other things, um, <laughs> Street Fighter 6 Speaking could of be... toes, I've been talking a lot about that on the, the streams. Actually, someone, who told me that? That was Holly. Holly told me that, yes. But just back on to Extraction, that wasn't even a word, back on to Street Fighter 6, um, did we see the logo thingy, the mm. news? So the, it looks like a... clip art. They've got a new logo, right? And I was like, eh, whatever. It's new logo, whatever. It doesn't look as good as the old one. But then uh, some Twitter legend has basically found the exact same logo on Adobe stock photos or logos for like <laughs> 80 bucks. Um, That's a steal. Yeah. Wow. Are, are they selling their logos? Wow. Genius. Sell them as NFTs. Um, so there you go. That's pretty much the news. Uh, any thoughts on Street Fighter Six? Anything at all? No. It's not Tekken, so... No. All right. Let's quickly go to off-topics because I know there's a couple of things we can talk about. Uh, Kieran, you went and saw Uncharted. I did. Give me a 15-second re- review. Um, Uncharted, the movie, could have literally been based on any other franchise or property and been the exact same movie. What score? Uh, six out of ten. Okay. Uh, Better than Resident Evil. Yeah, because um, Tom Holland gets his because shirt Zach off like here. three separate times in the movie. Oh, let's go. Okay, I want to watch it now. What, how about Mark Wahlberg? Uh, no. <laughs> to whatever in reference that is. Just no. <laughs> it doesn't give you a shirt off? No. I don't think so. How is? If he did, I probably is, would have thrown up. How is um, Mark... <laughs> Mark Holland. Uh, Mark Holland. Mark Holland. Mark yeah. Holland. Mark, and how's um, Tom Wahlberg? <laughs> Mark Wahlberg is Sully. Well, that's the thing. Like, n- both, neither Tom Holland or Mark Wahlberg feel like the characters that they're portraying from the games. Yeah, right. um, but, like, the characters that they do play aren't, like, terrible. And they have okay chemistry. It's just not Nate and Sully as you know them. Yeah, right. Nice. Um, I went and saw Jackass the, on Monday. That was, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I went with Anna. I was surprised that she was the catalyst in wanting to go see it. So um, we watched like a couple of highlights of some older things on uh, on on the weekend. She's like, all right, let's go and see the new one. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. Uh, a lot of dick stuff. Um, of course. A couple, I mean, they've, they've always had skits that... I, that I don't don't think are funny. They're more like gross. Yeah, well, they're more like shocking. They're like, oh, I can't believe you'd do that. There, there's a couple of of dick ones that they do, and I don't. I could t- like to me, it wasn't funny. It was almost too far. Like I thought that was probably, yeah, like too far. Um, but overall, was it was fine. It's fine. A couple of good ones. Um, but yeah. Did you show her the poo portaloo to get her psyched? 
I think well, no, we watched like the 10... Whoa, that was my nickname in high school. Um, <laughs> Me too, mate. Uh, <laughs> nickname now, IBS. Um, wow. <laughs> but um, no, it, it actually started because we, we watched the Johnny Knoxville episode of Hot Ones. Oh, uh, oh yeah. So then we went and ended up watching like 10 funniest things of Jackass and anyway... Uh, I think the poop hole was in there. That is fucked up. Yeah, but, um, it's traumatizing. It is a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it was alright. Um, you know, I think those films have a certain runtime before it starts to get a little bit. Eh, like I'm kind of over it now. Um, but yeah, any anybody else? Yeah, I'm watching. Uh, what am I watching? Oh, yeah, the Cuphead show. Had to give that a bit of a look in. Um, it wasn't quite what I expected. It's great, and the the episodes are like less than fifteen minutes each, so they're really easy to digest. I was kind of thinking that I might try and like follow the events of the game, but it doesn't. It's kind of its own thing, but it's still very charming and very very entertaining. I re- and I think they've achieved what they've done. What what they wanted to do, make a sort of like Looney Tunes esque nineteen thirties sort of animated romp and it's you know it, it does that well it's very entertaining and i think there's a lot of broad appeal to it um the other show i'm kind of invested in at the moment i think it's on apple is uh the after party which is like uh, it's a, it's a lot of comedians like um dave franco sam richardson uh, the dude that does uh the voice for sonic ben whatever his name is um it's sort of like this murder mystery that takes place and it's each episode is an, is an account from each of these um, comic actors playing their roles and they switch genres with each episode. Uh, so me and Ophelia have been getting really into that because it's, it is quite hilarious, but you've got these sort of like Hitchcock episodes, animated episodes. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real smorgasbord of genres that's pulled off with a lot of charm. So yeah, the after party, mm. give that one a try. Neat. Nice. Anybody else? Uh, I I watched most of The New Kingsman. I didn't get to finish it. Because, oh, I watched uh, that as well, yes. I, I, I was really enjoying it. It goes but, for uh, too fucking was, long. It goes for too long, and I was watching it with friends, and I was like, uh, I, I need to go take out, take down my rubbish for the night quickly. And uh, my elevator got stuck. <laughs> oh, no. And I was... I was stuck inside a humid hot elevator for about one and a half hours. What? Yeah, that's Three right. o'clock in the morning. But what? What time? Three o'clock in the morning. There's questions, right? Oh. Uh, I I go to bed very late. Uh, hey, at least you took the bins out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I tried to at least. <laughs> Gross. But, yeah. So uh, I didn't get to finish it because uh, after about twenty minutes, I just messaged and was like. I'm not coming back anytime soon. I'm stuck in the elevator. You guys just finish it without me. I'm not going to make you wait forever just to finish the last like 20 minutes of a movie. It's wow. okay. It was the worst part of the movie. You got oh, the best. There you go. Sweet. But yeah, that's uh, that's about all I've watched. Nice. Toby, got anything? Uh, I finished watching Search Party. Uh, yeah, believe that last, that last, last season, season is what the wild, fuck? but like, what the fuck? But I, I, I like that. It, they just like I don't know. It's I mean it's hard to talk about because it's such a departure that it would be, it would be a massive spoiler, but um, it was kind of perfect. It was yeah, it was great. Um, I I started watching what we do in the shadows, the FX, the TV series. 
um, which I've been putting off for a long, long time because I have a reverence for the the film that it's spun off from. Um, and I was worried that it wasn't going to be like, it was going to be too Americanized and not fun, but it's actually incredible so far. Um, and then, uh, I watched a show called Murderville as well. Um, yeah. which kind of, I guess like a similar thing to after party, but like in a different way, thematically improv. similar, um, but improv, um, essentially it's like, uh, Will Arnett, uh, plays a detective and there's six episodes and each episode is a murder. He's a homicide detective. Each episode, there's a murder that he has to solve and his lines are like mostly scripted. Um, and everyone playing all the characters, like the victim, like not the, obviously not, no one's playing the victims with a script, but you know, like the, the murderers and the suspects and everyone else around them all, all have like general scripts. But then each episode he has a partner who's like a random celebrity who has no scripts. So they have to kind of play along with his like investigation and figure out by the end of the episode who the murderer is. And then they like reveal if they're correct or not. Um, it's, it's an, it's a very, very cool premise. Um, and the, the improv is like, Will and it has like really good, um, back and forth with a lot of these celebrities. Um, the first one I think is like Conan O'Brien. Um, they've got like Marshall and Lynch, uh, for whatever reason, like ex NFL star. Um, but his episode is like fucking phenomenal. He loves um, it. Yeah. And there's like Ken Jong and stuff like, yeah, they're, they're all really, really cool. Um, I just kind of, I, I watched one and then binged the rest. Cause I was like, this is fun. I think Kamal, Kamal Nanjiani, Kamal Nanjiani, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Kamal can't, Nanjiani, can't keep straight face. Um, he, <laughs> he just, yeah, he loses he, the shit yeah. so much. It's great. Um, just like randomly, but, uh, speaking of Will Arnett, did you guys ever watch, I think it was called Flaked, I think, or Flake. Yeah. Yeah. Where he played like a down and outer. Yeah. Netflix series. That. Anyway, Never just thought I'd share that. That's a, it's interesting. I, I watched a few apps. It wasn't my fave of his work. Like, I'd still go for, like, Arrested Development or something over that. Mm. But, you know, he, he's good. Does a he's great good. Batman. <laughs> Does a great horse, right. too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Zach's just puzzled. What the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> Bojack we... Horseman. Lego movie. I've seen Bojack Horseman. No. Oh. Thank you very that's much. A, that's a horse. Played by Will Arnett. There you go. Yeah. Flaked. Flaked. Will Arnett. All right. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Uh, if you want to check out any of the reviews and whatnot, I think most of it should be out by the time. Well, of course it will be. Otherwise, we'd be breaking in embargo. But Jordan's Elden Ring, Mine's Martha is Dead review. Uh, maybe something else is coming up. I can't remember. But go check it all out. Oh, so Grid, Grid, Grid Legends. Yeah, maybe if, if, if I can get that done in time. Um, cool. And then we've got, a, we've got a big week again next week. So uh, look look forward to that. But yeah, have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Don't forget, if you've got hairy balls, 20% off, well shaved, manscaped.com is where you can trim those little buttes. Have a good one. Bye. Ciao. Hey, I speak Spanish too. Ciao.